Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 65, the double review for Aquaman and Bumblebee. Gentlemen of the North, South, East, and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I'm your host, the hype is not 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film related discussion. And today we are back, we're back again with another film double. Yeah, man, I've been doing a lot of those in 2018, and I believe it's just because time for me this year has been all over the place and in some cases like I've said before I haven't had enough to say about certain films to fill out an entire episode so why not just put them both together especially if you've seen them in a very short space of time in this case I happen to see Aquaman and Bumblebee both on the same day I have thoughts on both and I just want to throw them out there before the year is out and um, yeah man, both of those films are very interesting to talk about. One was decent, one was pretty damn good. I think you know which one I'm talking about. I'm going to be talking about Aquaman first, and then talk about Bumblebee afterwards. Uh, there will be time codes for both in the description below. So yeah man, uh, before we get into this, just know that, like as usual, I don't really say it as often as I should, but these are spoiler free reviews because, you know, I ain't that kind of horrible man running around telling people spoilers. What? what? What sort of punk does that? Not me. There will always be a spoiler written down in the description or, you know, noted in the episode beforehand. But anyway, enough of me waffling on. Let's get on with it, starting with Aquaman and then Bumblebee afterwards. Alright, so now it's time to talk about Aquaman and hoo-hoo, man, this film. Oh, there's so much to uncover. But before that, let's get into some, you know, background details. Now, Aquaman was first introduced to us in the DC's cinematic universe with Batman vs Superman and that weird little clip that Wonder Woman was showing and everyone, you know, had interesting opinions on that like little snippet. Some people said it looked a little fake. Some people said that he looked like he was in a uh, was it hair commercial because of how fancy his hair looked. Some people thought the scene looked pretty cool. Of the uh, you know members of the Justice League that were discovered in that film, I thought his one was pretty decent, although the fast depiction of his swimming looked a little off. And then, obviously, in Justice League, depending on who you talk to, he was either their favorite character or someone that was just, you know, a big dude bro kind of guy running around having a good time but you know not really much to his character besides he likes to jump in and have fun during action sequences and you know he's a very chilled out cool kind of guy but that was all that there was to his character I thought he was fine he had his moments but I think a lot of his best moments were ruined in the trailers for the Justice League movie so yeah there's that so when I heard about the Aquaman film I was like eh, you know I'll watch it I guess when James Wan was announced as the director, I thought, okay, now you have me interested because while I haven't seen too many of his films because they're obviously horror-based and me as a coward, I don't go to watch horror films unless I am dragged or very, very, very curious about the film because of the cast, I've seen a few of his films and I'm like, okay, if he could bring some of those horror sensibilities into the DC universe, that could introduce us to a different kind of superhero film than what we've had in the past. And obviously the DC films at this point really do need 
a little bit more flavor in them because up to this point we've had a different style depending on which film you're like you know going off of man of steel and batman vs superman feel very consistent with each other obviously same director and all that but then you get the suicide squad which is a whole different kettle of you know fish in terms of the mess in which that film was um studio meddling obviously but then you have wonder woman which was pretty good but then you have Justice League, which, again, studio meddling, changing of directors, all sorts of chaos behind the scenes, and that film turned out to be, you know, what it was. Uh, okay, not so bad, but kind of messy overall experience. And then we had this film, and you're just like, oh, I don't know. I mean, even after the footage came out at, uh, was it? What's that thing called again? Comic Con, yeah. <laughs> even after that, I was like, yo, man, this looks kind of cool, but it looks a little crazy with the CGI and the storyline felt like something I'd seen before in not only comic book films, but certain other films where, you know, you have a character that grows up, has a, you know, a birthright, has to challenge the throne against someone that might be his sibling, blah, 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 blah. You know, we've been through that whole th- sort of thing before. So the trailer didn't get me overly hyped for this, but the cast was pretty solid. You know, you had Willem Dafoe, Jason Momoa, obviously, Nicole Kidman, Amber Heard, um, and the dude who played, uh, was it Django Fett in the Star Wars films, who I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. I will mention it in the later part of the episode, but yeah. I was like, yo, man, the cast looked pretty cool, the CGI looks interesting, and I was interested mainly to see how they depict the underwater scenes with everybody talking, moving around, and all that sort of stuff, because that was the most difficult part, because most of this film would take place, you know, not so much on land as much as it would be underwater in Atlanta, or Atlantis, I can't remember which one it is, I will clarify that later on, but anyway, um, I was interested in this film, but not overly hyped for it. And when the first set of reviews came out, it was pretty mixed to negative from what I'd seen, but then there was a sort of more mixture of positive to negative, so the the thoughts about the film were all over the place. So I went to see the film recently, and you know what? Not that bad. The film definitely has some issues, but I'd say overall it's worth a watch, and it's not nearly as much of a train wreck as, you know, some of the previous efforts from DC. So... As per usual with these reviews, I'll go for the story, characters, presentation, and then overall conclusions. So without further ado, let's jump in. So the story of Aquaman can be summed up as the following. The story focuses around Arthur Curry, who happens to be half human and half Atlantean, and he is also the rightful heir to the underwater kingdom of Atlantis. At one point, his half-brother Orm seeks to unite the seven underwater kingdoms to wage war against the surface world. So it's up to Arthur to step up to the plate take on his half-brother and, you know, basically cancel out his plans before all chaos breaks loose to become a hero and become the king of Atlantis, essentially. And that is the way to sum up the story without going into the area spoilers. I thought the plot for this film was good, but familiar. And, yeah, like I said, it's definitely familiar. And if you've seen certain types of superhero films or TV shows or are familiar with most of these sort of codec adventures this film will feel very familiar and partly generic and it's not so much a fault of the film as much as it is just the basic codec adventures that come with superhero origin stories because even though a lot of these different individuals happen to have unique elements to their characters the people you come across their worlds mythology and all that kind of stuff when you break down the way in which their story structure goes and their character arts goes there are going to be a lot of similarities you will see when you start to break them down and yeah so 
This film definitely feels familiar, but it definitely has a lot of unique elements when it comes to the story, its mythology, learning about the way in which Atlantis works, uh, you know, some of the history behind Atlantis was pretty cool. There's a lot of family drama going on in this film, and I feel like the family aspect of this film is probably the most interesting thing to me. You learn early on about how Arthur's mother was such a key aspect to this film, and then, you know, the relationship that she has with Arthur's dad, and, you know, all the stuff going on with Arthur and him feeling guilt, the family dynamic that goes on between him and his half-brother, and all this next-level drama bubbling under the surface about how Orm wants to go about and basically take on the surface world and rule over the world. There's a lot of stuff going on, and again, it's familiar, but there's a, enough unique elements in here that make it work. There's some emotional moments in this film that when it works it was pretty solid and I was feeling some emotions which doesn't happen often with DC movies so I was like oh, this is alright man this is pretty good however I will say that the plot went on a little longer than I expected I wouldn't say it's super dragged for me but there were certain moments where I did feel like the plot was you know just moving a little slower than usual and could have picked up the pace um, I will say that the final act of the movie really did pick things up and there were some interesting points where the film could have done the traditional superhero thing here, there, here and there, should I say, but it did a few zigs where I expected it to zag, and especially in the final act, there was a point where I thought the film would play out in a certain way, but it changed a few things up, and I was like, yo, okay, that's pretty good. And there is a mid credit scene in the film, which is, you know, standard, but worth watching if you know your Aquaman lore. And yeah, the only other thing I'd say that I didn't like about this film was the way in which it tried to do humour. Sometimes it kind of worked, but sometimes it didn't. The humour seemed to come in and out of the film at really random points, and yeah, uh, just most of it just didn't work for me, so yeah, that's the thing. Alright, so when it comes to the cast of Aquaman, I thought that they were all pretty good. There is a great selection of actors and actresses in this film and they all did pretty well with the material that they were given. Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry aka Aquaman was pretty good. I liked how he was this reluctant hero and he feels a lot of guilt for what happened to his mother and he just doesn't want to deal with anything going on with Atlantis but once he jumps in you see the sort of progression that he goes on especially with this relationship that he happens to have with Mera as well and Jason Momoa he's just the great guy He's so much fun, he's very charismatic, has good comedic timing, and you can definitely see that he has that hero aspect to him. He just has the right on-screen presence and charisma, and he definitely feels like a way more fleshed out and interesting character than he was in Justice League. As for Amber Heard as Mira, she was good. I liked the use of her powers, she was definitely a headstrong individual, fairly smart, I like her powers, and yeah, her and Momoa had some good on-screen chemistry. I did feel like some of their romance was a little forced, but like I said before, Herd was just a good character, and um, she is one beautiful lady as well, especially in this film. Just had to be noted. Uh, Willem Dafoe as Volko, he was cool. I have yet to see too many films where Willem Dafoe isn't in a more, you know, villainous-based role, but he was, like, the advisor to Orm, and he has, like, a lot of interesting aspects that come with 
Arthur Curry in his training in his younger days as well and Defoe was great he just had these really cool moments with interesting speeches interesting conversations and he was just good I always like seeing Willem Defoe in most films and then there's Patrick Wilson as Orm aka Ocean Master I thought he was pretty good as well you can see that he was having a good time with this role especially with certain moments where he had to you know hype up his troops or you know put on a show for his people there were times where he was clearly hamming it up but I really enjoyed his uh, scenes with Jason Momoa being his half-brother led to some interesting conversations and obviously learning about his backstory was pretty good yeah Wilson was pretty solid in this role I enjoyed that Dolph Lundgren as Nearest he was pretty good he was Mira's dad and can I just say I'm really enjoying this sort of resurgence in Dolph Lundgren's career obviously he sort of started showing up in films after the Expendables film started showing up in 2010 but it's really in the last two years or so that he's really started to make appearances all over the place obviously his most notable role recently was playing Drago again in Creed 2 but he was an arrow recently and now he's in this film in a sizable role and he's not a villain and I just enjoy seeing him here he has some really good screen time and some good conversational pieces I, I like this I hope to see more of Dolph Lundgren in the future also Yahya Abdul Mateen 2 at least I hope that's how you say his name as a black manta he was also pretty good I enjoyed seeing his story how he had this uh, interesting relationship with his dad why he was looking for Aquaman and why he hates him it was a short yet notable moment in the film that gave us just enough of a reason to care about this guy so when he did make a reappearance and then took on Aquaman again it was like yo man this is some good stuff so I was really enjoying that also Nicole Kidman as Alana who's the queen of Atlantis she was pretty good as well I really enjoyed seeing the relationship between her and Arthur Curry's dad and then seeing how her whole story played out in this film she was utilized pretty well and yeah Nicole Kidman man she has aged very well man she still looks great man bloody hell and the only other person I wanted to mention was uh, Tamura Morrison at least I hope that's how he's saying his name the guy that played Jango Fett in the Star Wars prequels he played Thomas Curry Arthur Curry's dad and I really enjoyed his scenes as well not only the scenes with uh, Atlanta but also with Arthur as well there were some really good dramatic scenes that were handled pretty well when those two were together so yeah that was some good stuff when it comes to the presentation of the film it was pretty good for the most part I'd say visually the film was pretty solid there was a lot of CGI that went into this film but obviously considering the power set of the characters the world that they had to create and obviously with it being underwater with all this fictional stuff happening it was inevitable that a good chunk of this film would be CGI and to the most part it looked pretty good I like the cool designs of Atlanta some of the sea creatures whether they be humanoid or you know large giant crazy kraken like creatures was all pretty good you had really random designs for everything from seahorses to sharks they were all done pretty well and the world of Atlantis itself has some really colorful vivid designs that you know was pretty nice I would say it's probably one of the lesser interesting worlds that I've seen depicted in comic books because I've been wowed by so much in the past already with very unique designs from Man of Steel's depiction of Krypton to Wakanda in Black Panther and the world of uh, you know was it Asgard from the Thor films as well so yeah I mean 
This film was still pretty good, but I'd say The World of Atlantis was good, but not as, you know, breathtaking as it could be. I will say, however, for as good as the visual effects looked, at certain times the CGI did look a little blurry, and at other points, especially during some of the action sequences, there was a lot going on with some of the crazy camera movements, and in some of these war-based sequences, there is everything, and I mean everything on the screen. It kind of felt like visual noise, and... Um, some of the complaints that some people had about the Star Wars prequels, about there having, you know, a lot of CGI visual effects chaos happening on the screen, but you don't really care about what's going on because there's so much going on, um, it kind of felt like that at times, where I was just like, there is a lot of stuff happening on screen, but I'm not really, you know, engaged with it, just because it's just a visual effect madness flourish all over the place, sort of like the crazier days of the Transformers films, but... Yeah, beyond that, I'd say the visual side of the films is good. And as for the film score, I'd say it was pretty decent, but, you know, not super memorable. It was Rupert Gregson Williams who did the film score for this film. And at times it feels like a cross between orchestral and electronic, sort of in the vein of Tron Legacy, but to a lesser degree. At times the film had music that really worked. And especially during some of the more emotional or triumphant scenes, it really worked, especially towards the latter side of the film. There is a point towards the end where the music really swells up and you really get that feel-good, mmm, satisfaction moments. Um, but other times the film has these sort of weird moments where it tries to go for that more electronic sound and it just didn't work for me in the way in which I'd hoped, but you know, that's a thing. And so now it's time for the conclusion. What did I think of Aquaman? You know what? It wasn't all that bad. Considering the early reviews were saying, you know, it was mixed to negative, I was, you know, pretty afraid of what this film might be, but there was a great sense of scope, action, adventure, and it really did well to make such a, you know, joke-based character who's been taking the piss out of in loads of different types of parodies and pop culture from how many years and make you take him seriously it was pretty good the film is just a good time there was nothing overly amazing about the film but it did have like its moments to be really interesting engaging fun and the cast were really solid and yeah if they were making a sequel i'd be down to watch it so yeah i mean if you have some free time check out aquaman it's is pretty decent. Alright, and now it's time to talk about Bumblebee, and man, I've got a lot to say about this film, but I'll try to keep it as condensed as possible. So firstly, some background details. With the Transformers films, I went from loving them to just being tired of them in a very short space of time. With the first film from 2007, it really turned me on to the franchise as a whole because I never cared about Transformers up until that point. Um, you know, even with the trailers leading up to it, I thought it looked kind of cool from a visual effects point of view, but I just didn't care about any of that source material. So, when that first film came out, I thought it was one of the most fun, crazy, visually impressive films I'd ever seen in my life. I was like, yo, this film is my jam. So then when the second film came out, I was all on board and I thought at the time that for the most part, Transformers 2 was better than the first film just because the CGI was better, the fights were a little bit more comprehensible, they had shots of the action sequences from further away so you could see what was happening, but there was a few things that just, you know, a few nitpicks that bothered me and obviously 
uh, I had to bring them up again, but mud flapping skits were just really silly, and some of the jokes in the film were just kind of annoying. But as time went on over the next two years, I discovered that I really hated that movie a lot more, and I couldn't rewatch it just because the plot was so nonsensical, the parents were even more annoying than they were in the first film, the jokes were even more juvenile and idiotic than the first time, and some of the plot stuff and, you know, uh, plot MacGuffins just didn't make sense when you go from point A to point B, especially with the Allspark being able to kill Megatron in the first film, but revive Optimus Prime in the second one. What? But anyway, moving on, by the time we got to uh, Transformers number three, I was like, yo, okay, you're gonna have to do something to impress me now, because... I was still in Transformers mode, I wanted to give the film another chance, but I was sort of partly starting to check out the franchise, but then by the time Transformers 3 ended, I was just like, yo, that film may have been still kind of impressive from a visual effects point of view, but the overall film was just nonsense and just so stupid. And then there was Age of Extinction, the last Transformers film I saw, and at the time, I just didn't want to believe in this franchise anymore, but they had redesigned characters, the characters looked a little bit more distinguishable and easier to see, and there was Optimus Prime on a bloody robot dinosaur. They had me! Bloody robot dinosaurs were cool, man! So I was like, yo, okay! The Age of Extinction was, to me, and still is, to me, the worst Transformers film I've ever seen in my life. It was an endurance test, very long, boring, and filled with the most imbecile-based characters I've ever seen. Mark Wahlberg was okay, I guess, but his daughter and that stupid boyfriend of hers, I've never hated anybody so much in my life. That film was an endurance test, and I was like, nope, 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 this time for sure I'm out of Transformers. And when The Last Night came out, you know I didn't go to see that foolishness. And yeah, so I think it was just before the last night had come out, there was an announcement that there was going to be a Bumblebee spin-off, and I was just like, yo, why? No, no more, no more, and I was afraid, but then they announced that Travis Knight, who was the director behind Kubo and the Two Strings, which was one of my top five favorite films of 2016, I was like, yo, there might be hope, it doesn't have Michael Bay's name attached as the director, there might be hope. And then when I first saw the trailer for Bumblebee, I was like, yo, man, I'm getting Iron Giant vibes from this. And the designs of the characters looked a little bit more closer to the source material. You had actors that I liked in the film. Now, don't get me wrong, there was actors that I liked in the previous Transformers films, but, you know, these... The film just looked a lot more different. It felt like there was a human element to it, and I'm not talking about just the actual humans in the film, but they felt like there was a little bit more heart and soul in this film, which was non-existent in the other Transformers films. You know, you had Haley Steinfeld and uh, John Cena, and you had Bumblebee looking all cute and interesting, and there was all these uh, potential links to Cybertron. I was like, yo, okay, you might have me. So then I saw the film, and the film was bloody good, real good. Way better than I expected, and my boy Travis Knight, he pulled it out of the bag! So yeah, I'm going to be talking about the story, characters, presentation, and then overall conclusion. So without further ado, let's jump in. Okay, so the plot for Bumblebee can be summed up as the following. On the run in the year 1987, Bumblebee happens to find refuge in a junkyard, and he just happens to be found by a young girl by the name of Charlie. And... She soon discovers that Bumblebee happens to be more than just a car, but also happens to be a transforming robot. And unbeknownst to the two of them, Bumblebee is being hunted not only by soldiers 
in the government, but also by two enemy Decepticons from Cybertron who want to find him for reasons that will become clear once you see the film. And so, Bumblebee and Charlie must team up to not only keep each other alive, but also keep each other safe from the oncoming threat. And that is a way to summarize the film without going into the area spoilers. What I will say about this story is that in at least the first 10 or so minutes, this film is more faithful to the Transformers source material than any of the other films that have come beforehand. I swear, the f opening of this film made me feel so much joy. I was like, wow, this is pure Transformers. It gives you just enough of the Transformers lore and, you know, the stuff going on beyond the planet Earth that when you get to Earth and all the stuff happens over there, there is reason for why this character is here. As opposed to the previous films where the characters just sort of dropped on Earth because of reasons and then as the films went on you found out that the Earth had more and more random stuff from Transformers world that just happened to be on here it made no bloody sense but here the story is simple to follow it follows certain codes of conventions that you know from this type of film but it is executed in a fun interesting adventurous mysterious and just overall satisfying way that when you get from point A to point B you feel like you've gone through a satisfying journey that was all sorts of goodness. I felt good here and the one thing that this film has more so than the other films is that it has a soul. There is drama and emotion that happens in this film and rather than it feeling artificial it feels real and I feel like it's because of the core relationship between Bumblebee and Charlie. Those two have a really strong bond that resonates throughout the entire film so that when either of them are in danger, together or individually, you feel for them, you want to know what's going on with them, or if they're having like, you know, a heart-to-heart -heart moment or just messing around doing silly things, it feels natural. The best way to liken this film is to The Iron Giant. Literally, as I said beforehand, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, this is like the Iron Giant. And it really is. It feels like they took that template and transformed it into a Transformers-esque kind of film. The relationship between Hogarth and the main Iron Giant creature from that film is very similar to what we have with Charlie and Bumblebee. They have this wonderful bond that just resonates so well. And this film does well to uh, have these really funny moments that don't feel so forced as much as they did in the previous films. It feels natural and good. And if you've seen Kubo and the Two Strings, you feel like this feels very similar to what Travis Knight did with that film. There are jokes for adults as much as there is stuff for kids as well, whether it be verbal or physical humor and stuff like that. It works. It's some good stuff. And I just appreciated again how simple this plot was. There was nothing overly complicated about the plot. You can understand what was going on and they've left it open for a sequel in a way that I would like to see more of this. It's just fun. It's some good stuff. And again, I was surprised by how much I felt for these characters. It just, it was good. It was some good stuff. When it comes to the cast, everybody was really good. From the humans to the Autobots and the Decepticons, everybody was handled in a really good way. So let's start with the humans. Haley Steinfeld as Charlie Watson, she was great. I like Haley Steinfeld in pretty much everything. Since I saw her in True Grit, she's sort of just gone on to excel at being in multiple different types of roles. And she's just really good. She still looks young as hell, so she can still pass for a teenager pretty well. And I enjoyed this character because she's not only smart, 
and she's a mechanic which makes her pretty cool but also she has an interesting backstory involving her dad and seeing her form this relationship not only with Bumblebee but also with Memo this guy who is a co-worker of hers who also becomes her friend throughout the movie it's just interesting seeing how this character opens up how she has this nice sense of humor to her she's a bit of a moody bitch on occasions but there's reasons for it and she's just a really good character John Cena is Jack Burns he happens to be one of the uh, agents of Sector 7, he was really good as well. He plays the military straight man very, very well. And again, seeing Cena like uh, progress in his career and taking on these different types of roles, he's becoming a more capable actor by the day. I really enjoyed him in that Blockers film recently, and in this film he did pretty well. He's He fit into this world pretty well, and I just enjoyed seeing him being a general douche. Um, that was pretty good. Uh, George Lendborg Jr., at least I hope I saw you saying his name, he played Memo, and he was really fun. Just this crazy, upbeat kind of dude who always wants to try and talk to Charlie, but he either gets interrupted, and he just has these really good comedic, light-hearted moments that were just handled really well. Him and uh, Steinfeld had really good chemistry, and I was looking at him for a while, and I was just like, I know you from somewhere. Where do I know you from? And I was like, oh my god, yo, he was one of the newscaster kids from Spider-Man Homecoming, and he had some of my favorite humorous moments in that film ever, so I was like, yo, it's no wonder I like this guy. Also, John Ortiz is one of those sort of guys who I just see in loads of different films in many different roles, and I just enjoy seeing him whenever he's around. He plays Dr. Powell, and... Uh, his role was pretty good in this film as well, being one of the sort of scientists that's like, oh my gosh, look at these aliens, you know, alien robots, they have technology, we could use them, blah, 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 you know that kind of shtick. But he did his role pretty well as well. And the rest of the humans were pretty good, I enjoyed them, I also really liked the uh, Autobots, I will never get tired of hearing Peter Cullen as... Optimus Prime, he did a really good job in this role. Dylan O'Brien, I didn't know it was him that was the voice of Bumblebee, but when he could talk, that was pretty good as well. Uh, as for the Decepticons, the main people I wanted to talk about was Angela Bassett as Shatter and uh, Justin Thoreau as Dropkick. They had some really good back and forth, whether it be banter or just general conversation. They were very intimidating, scary as hell, and Angela Bassett, there was such sass in her voice, even though it was like, you know, distorted as a robot and I was like man this woman sounds pretty intense man I wouldn't want to mess with her and then when I found it was Bassett I'm like it makes sense she's damn good so I was like yo good stuff so yeah the whole cast of the film was just you know utilized in a very good way all right and now it's time to talk about the presentation and good gravy oh so good visually this film was very very impressive. Now the Transformers films have always been visually impressive since the first one in 2007 and with the exception of Age of Extinction the CGI has only gotten better with each new film but this film especially I feel like they've perfected the CGI to such a high degree. The Autobots and the Decepticons had never looked better with such a level of polish to their overall designs. They all have more distinctive designs than they ever did beforehand. Very striking with their color schemes and I feel like they perfected the lighting and overall detail to the point where these characters really do look like they can mesh well with the live action stuff and the way in which they interact with the humans, it looks as realistic as it can get at this point. Also, the action sequences were fab. 
The action scenes have gone from being pretty hard to follow or understand what was going on to being very easy to understand now with some very good camera angles, well-defined characters, and I love seeing uh, the Autobots and Decepticons go out in this film because you can see what was going on. They all had individual styles, whether it be hand-to-hand -hand combat or cool acrobatics or the use of certain weapons, whether it be arm cannons or, you know, was it machine guns? or arm blades and all that sort of stuff there was some really good material and I was like yo man this is choreographed pretty damn well and I have to mention as well there were scenes on Cybertron that reminded me of those Transformers games from like the late 2000s which I think was uh, War for Cybertron and one of the other ones which I can't remember the other name but it was something for Cybertron but those games had at the time the best looking Transformers uh, depicted in you know as close to realism as you could get while retaining the original designs and this film I feel has taken those old you know War for Cybertron games and then you know put that to good use in this film the stuff on Cybertron looked fantastic very much like a video game but with a more realistic polish very good and the designs of the robots was just really good everything just felt very tied to the original cartoon and I was just like, mate, I was I was in love with the visuals. It was some really good stuff. But it wasn't just the visuals that were really good. You also happen to have a soundtrack that features so much great 80s based music. If you're a fan of 80s music, this film had it all worked out. So many great choices of music from Duran Duran to The Smiths to Simple Plan. And um, oh my gosh, it was fab. I was having the best time listening to the soundtrack. And also the film score from Dario Marianelli, this is how you say his name, who also worked with Travis Knight on Cooper and the Two Strings. Very effective, very emotional, good stuff. What? Well, I enjoyed it. Alright, and now it's time for the conclusion. What did I think about Bumblebee? Well, I thought the film was bloody great. You should go watch it. It has a heart and soul that those films didn't have, like I said beforehand. And yo, man, it was just really good really well handled for the human characters who you actually gave a damn about the central connection between Bumblebee and Charlie was really good and man I is this set up stuff for a sequel that I might actually want to see who am I kidding I am gonna see it if the future Transformers films follow this sort of template I'd be down to see more it was really fun it'd be good for you know people who don't like Transformers people who do like Transformers there's a bit of something for everybody in there check it out I think you have some fun. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, and now it's time to go to you. Have you seen Aquaman or Bumblebee? And if you have, what do you think about it? And if you haven't, are you going to watch either films? Whatever your thoughts are on either one or both, please be sure to drop me a comment in the section below and leave me your thoughts. Or you can holler at me on Twitter where I am at Hypersonic55 or at FilmFocus55. Or holler at me via the email thehypersonic 55 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. So yeah, that's another episode of Film Focus Over. I have a few more reviews to get done before the year is out. But yeah, um, just keep listening. We'll be having way more funs on here on SoundCloud and iTunes. So until next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace.